sleigh bells ring Are you listening? In the lane Snow is glistening A beautiful sight We're happy tonight Walking in a winter wonderland Hello, this is Sydney Moon And welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast Where we share our love for the holidays with you year round This is Randy and I will be talking about the three magi that visited the baby Jesus. This is Beth, and I will be talking about Three Kings Day. This is Cole, and I'm going to be talking about Novogod, the uh, Russian New Year's celebration. Very fun. We are recording this right before Christmas, the week and before Christmas. So by the time you are hearing this, Christmas has gone and New Year's has gone. So we hope that you had a happy and healthy holiday season. But we are in the midst of Christmas preparations for our holiday happenings. We spent the last week finishing most of our wrapping, finishing getting kind of all those little things ready, shipping out gifts since we're not visiting family, for some family anyways, shipping out gifts and getting that others holding back until we get a chance to see them in person, depending on uh, the situation. So I'm sure you also had that same activity at home on, on your side. But we also had a surprise this week. In that we had a actual huge snowstorm. We did. Yes. Yeah. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. So we ended up getting about between eight or nine inches out here, based on where I measured. Uh, I've seen everything from six inches in the area up to a foot. So somewhere in that range, depending yeah. where you live. I live more in town, and we actually got more there. Mm-hmm. Like it was a lot deeper and thicker. Yeah, uh, which was unfortunate because, of course, when they're plowing it. Oh yeah. It plows all this super this gray, super hard snow right, right into your driveway when you're in town. But at least you got plowed. I think like dad looked <laughs> out at one point or went out to shovel our driveway or plow our driveway and they hadn't even touched our road. No, yet. they didn't get to our road till the following day completely. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, which was a fire for us, we didn't go anywhere but Yeah. We're like third tier on their right. important list. We're like down at the bottom, our road is. Yes. We're out in the country. Yes. Yeah, I actually got, because they cleared off the road proper in front of my house, um, and I have a straight shot to the highway once I get you know onto that road, I was actually going to my girlfriend's place the day, I think, after it snowed. So I had to go out and like shovel myself... Out. I have a short driveway, but it was so hard and deep that what I did was I kind of built a ramp for myself to go up over it. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, which worked perfectly until I hit the spot where the stupid plows <laughs> had dumped all of that uh, gray, hard snow yeah. where I got stuck. Yeah. And then I got stuck in, like, the mud. Mm-hmm. That had formed beneath the snow, and my car didn't have any traction. Yeah. So it was about an hour of going back and forth with the shovel, trying to... My butt was, like, sticking out into the road. <laughs> yeah. The butt of my car. Oh, wow. Not my oh, car. oh, 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 yeah. that's not funny. <laughs> I know. It's not. It was horrible for me. Yeah. Um, but I ended up uh, having my roommate and my neighbor, they offered to give my car a push. So okay. I was able to... Because I couldn't pull forward either. Right. My first thought was like, okay, I'm not going to get there today. Yeah. I'll just pull forward and give up. But I had no traction in either direction. Right. 
So eventually I was able to dig under my tires so that I could get some traction and they gave me a push and I was able to pull out. Yeah. And then when I came back, uh, it was still horrible yeah. in my driveway. Because so it hadn't melted. Because it hadn't, right. Um, so I still had to park behind my my place in my uh, roommate's spot, take out the shovel, walk around, and dig the rest Yeah, which out. is not easy because it's solid. Right. It was chunks that I would say were about two feet by yeah. like one foot long. Right. Yeah. So I could, when I kind of split them up with a shovel, I could pick them up and toss them to the right. side. Um, but that was a that was a fun yeah right. This, I was not a fan of. I love snow. I was not a fan of having to deal with trying to get in and out yes. with the snow. Yeah. yeah, I would say the the plow at the end, pushing all that stuff at the end of your driveway is the worst part. You know, I try to make sure that I as they plow, I am going out there and fixing what they've done because if they plow and then they do plow again and plow again, it just gets worse and worse and worse. It just solidifies. Yeah, because yeah. this barrier to the to the road that you're you're like stuck in your house. So yeah, uh, but. We did have a lot of great, beautiful pictures of the snow and our Christmas lights on in the snow that we yeah. posted on Instagram and Facebook. So. Yeah, and I know that in my area, as I was just driving through, I saw quite a few people who had made snowmen. Yeah, yeah, a lot of snowmen. So it was snowmen definitely that kind funny. of snow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, which was the difficult to move out of the way. <laughs> it's your car, packing, right. tough But snow. good for rolling snow. Good for rolling. A lot of yeah. people sledding, too. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So very fun snow. It's still here. Mm-hmm. Uh, four or five days later, it's supposed to warm up through the week, so I'm sure I'm it'll slowly go it. away. But but it's been so fun to see it. I've yes. just loved it. Have you heard of um, putting kitty litter down as traction? Yes, I have. Yeah, the I thing did is, not you have kitty to, litter to spare. Yeah, it, no. <laughs> when it's plus it's deeper, it's, it doesn't work as well, right? Yeah. So he was kind of stuck at the time. Yeah, so we've been having fun doing that. We've got another four or five days before Christmas Eve. So this week, I know we're planning to bake some cookies and do some other fun activities. We have our Christmas Eve fun we have with our friends um, at their place and then our Christmas Eve dinner and things along the way. So we'll share more about that next week in our podcast uh, holiday happenings there. And one fun thing that I'm doing this year is I created a 12 Days of Christmas gift for my friend. And it was really fun to make, and it's really fun for her to open. It started out with a couple kind of mishmash of gifts, but I i mean, all of them I thought my friend would really like, so I was trying to figure out what to do. I was looking on Pinterest, of course, because Pinterest is my idea figuring out place. <laughs> yeah, it's a good place. Yes, and I came up with this idea of 12 Days of Christmas, so she would start opening up gifts on December 14th and continue with the first day being December 14th, so they're all numbered, 1 through 12, and day number 12 being Christmas Day. So Mom made the tags for them, which I really appreciate. The theme was blue and silver and white. I put them all in a little basket, wrapped everything up, put it was actually a bigger basket. It, 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 it was a pretty big basket. It was a pretty good basket. And I put cellophane over it and it looked super cute. And she's enjoying it. She's sending me pictures of the gifts with her animals in also in the picture. So I really am appreciating that. Yeah, that's fun. Um, and yeah, it was just really a that's fun. That's a cute idea. Yeah, really fun gift to create. A creative way to give someone a little Christmas 
cheer. Yeah. Yeah. Especially doing it like with a 12 days theme. Mm-hmm. Now, the 12 days of Christmas actually starts on Christmas, right? So right. the real 12 days of Christmas goes from Christmas Day to Epiphany. And Epiphany is the also known as Three Kings Day or the Feast of the Three Kings Day. It's another celebration. In fact, it's one of the major celebrations in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's the day instead of Christmas that some places give their gifts. And it's based on the three magi, mm-hmm. also known as the three wise men, from the Bible, from the New Testament. And if you don't know that story, let me just run through it pretty quickly from Matthew, which is one of the books of the Bible, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And this is the story right after the story of the birth of Jesus. So it's not very exactly clear how old Jesus would have been at the time. Most people think of it happening right after birth. It, it probably happened later, whether that was years later when he was like two, three, something like that. It's not very clear in the Bible. But here's the story. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, look, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard it, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he asked them where the Messiah, or the Christ, was to be born. And they said, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written through the prophet, quote, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are in no way least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Quote. Then Herod secretly called the wise men together and learned from them exactly what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I also may come and worship him. And they, the wise men, having heard the king, went their way. And look, the star which they saw in the east went before them, until it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream that they should not return to King Herod, they went back to their own country another way. So that's what's actually written about the Magi. Uh, You'll notice a few things that aren't in that story that were added on later based on verbal history uh, at the time. But one is, what did you notice they don't say? One is they're not kings in their Magi. So we don't know if they were kings or not. They're not we. What does that mean? They're not. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> so that could be said. So, so that could be. I think it's W E. Not W E. Yeah. Something else that is not mentioned is it's heavily implied, like inferred from most people, that they're from Persia. Right. And that's not specifically no, mentioned just, in the so Bible. So they're from the east, and it also doesn't say there were three of them. Oh. It just says there were magi. It's inferred because there were three gifts. That there are three magi, but we actually don't know mm-hmm. based just on the text if there are three or more. So obviously, after Jesus was born, the wise men came to to find him based on the star and based on the prophecies because they were familiar with Jewish prophecies. Now, where they came from, like Cole said, isn't clear. It's believed they either came from modern day Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia. Yemen, somewhere in those areas, maybe southern Turkey, 
northern Syria. It's not very clear. And they could have come from different places. The three of them didn't necessarily start in the same place. They're all, although they're called three kings, as I mentioned, they're actually not referred specifically as kings in the Bible. They were referred to as magi. Now, magi does give them some credence as being men of great learning um, Mm. at the time. So the word magi comes from the Greek word magos, which uh, was where actually the word English word magic comes from. But we would have called them astrologers slash astronomers because those two sciences, quote unquote sciences, <laughs> were uh, together kind of uh, in the same overall studies back then and they went hand in hand. Mm. And the magi would have followed the patterns of the stars religiously. And they were probably very rich because magi generally were held in high esteem in their societies and um, they were seen as great wise people in general. I always, when you say magi, I always thought of majesty. Yeah. Which is, brings in that king kind of thought. Yeah, and that's not where the root of the word comes from. Yeah. Now, they had, as the text says, seen an unusual new star in the sky, and they knew it told of the birth of a special king in Israel based on their readings. But no one really knows what the new star was in the sky, and there's been many theories about comets, supernovas, conjunctions of planets, and things like that. Uh, But it's not clear from the text what they meant by a new star. Now, this year, 2020, there's actually a conjunction of a couple of planets that they're calling the Star of Bethlehem. It's supposed to happen tomorrow night on the 21st, on the first day of winter. Mm -hmm. I think it's Saturn and Jupiter come together, and it makes an extra bright-looking star, even though it's the planets in the sky. So it's kind of interesting that... They're calling it the Star of Bethlehem, but we don't really actually know what the star was that the the uh, Magi were following at the time. Well, right, and it had to stay in the sky for a while. Because say, like, if they it appeared it, yeah. when Jesus was born, and say he was two years old when they yeah. arrived, it had to be stuck in the sky for quite a while. Right, right, it's hard to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that they don't say in the Bible is the names of the... Magi, although we have names of the Magi, nor do they say the ages of the Magi. Now, when you think of Magi, the three Magi, what ages do you think of? Like 50 and older. Yeah, you think of three old men. Three wise old men. Yeah, the history of the Magi actually shows as an old person, a middle-aged person, and a young person. So, historically looking at it, it's not the three wise men that we think of in the, you know, based on decorations and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, one's old, one's middle age, one's young along the way. Now, one historically has been named, based on legend, as Casper or Gasper. He's got brown hair and a brown beard or no beard and wears a green cloak and a gold crown. And he's the king of Sheba. He represents the frankincense brought to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Then there's Melchior, who has long white hair. So he's obviously the older one, a white beard and wears a gold cloak. He is the king of Arabia and he brought gold to Jesus. And then there's Balthasar, who has black skin and a black beard, wears a purple cloak, so he's the younger of the three, and he is the king of Tarse in Egypt. And Balthasar represents the gift of myrrh that was brought to Jesus. And that's just based on legend and, and history within the church. Of you know, and It's not very clear where those came from. Um, they just popped up at some point. I will say that the movie, the Nativity movie, the live-action one, it brought more character to the wise men. So it was funny 
to see those interactions. So, I, like, when thinking about, like, old, middle, and young, like, it's just the, those interactions I, um, I always think is interesting. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Now, the other thing that's interesting is the gifts they brought to a baby. Like, why right. would they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? So... So you can connect some of the meetings. Again, the, the text doesn't say, but you can look back some of the meanings of those specific items based on the history and based on um, the histories of the Jews. So gold is often associated with kings, and Christians believe that Jesus is the king of kings. Frankincense is sometimes used in worship in churches and showed that people would worship Jesus. And myrrh, in its simplest form, was perfume that was put on uh, dead bodies to help them smell nice as they decayed and it showed the suffering that jesus would have and he would eventually die so those were kind of the connections symbolically of what the what magi gave to jesus now the interesting thing was a few years ago three years ago in fact beth and i had the chance to go to germany on a viking river cruise with our friends the andersons and one of the last places we went to was the cathedral in Cologne, Germany. And what did we surprisingly find there? That is where the relics of the three kings are today. So they have them in this huge, this huge, what would you call it, shrine mm -hmm. to the three wise men. So you think to yourself, that's an odd place for the three kings to kind of end up. Did they keep on going? Yeah. Or like, <laughs> well, what happened there? So, so I looked at a little of the history there to find out where and why they ended up there from a historical perspective. So, the story is told by a 14th century author, John of Hildesheim, in his Historia Trium Regum, or the History of the Three Kings. And John says that Balthasar, Melchior, and Caspar were from India, Persia, and Chaldea, present-day Iran, Iraq area. They set off separately towards the star and met at what they thought the birthplace was going to be in Jerusalem, and they met there, met with King Herod, and then they journeyed together to Bethlehem. After finding the child, finding and worshiping Christ, they returned together to India, where they built a church. And after another vision that revealed that their earthly life was about to end, they died at the same time and were buried in their church in India. 200 years later, uh, the author explains, St. Helena, the mother of the Emperor Constantine, traveled to India and recovered their bodies. She put them into a beautifully ornamented casket and placed them in a great church of St. Sophia in Constantinople. And then in the late 6th century, the Emperor Mercurius had the relics moved to the city of Milan, Italy. That makes sense that he'd go because he was curious about the bodies. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. So the Thanks. bones... Thanks for the pity laugh. <laughs> the bones of Balthasar, Mel Melchior, and Caspar remained in Milan until the 12th century, so about 600 years. When the city of Milan rebelled against the Holy Roman Emperor Frederick Barbarossa, at that point, the emperor asked for assistance against the Milanese the people of Milan, and Frederick appealed to the Archbishop of Cologne, who recaptured Milan for him. In gratitude and at the Archbishop's great entreaty, in other words, he asked for this, the Emperor transferred the relics of the three magi to the Archbishop of Cologne, who in 1164 transported the bones to Cologne, where a Gothic cathedral was eventually built to house them. 
It's a huge cathedral. Yeah, it's really it's a huge cathedral. So they were in like a a large casket, kind of, but they wanted to build a shrine. So in 1180 or 1181, they started to build the shrine, which was elaborate gold sculptures of prophets and apostles and kind of scenes from the life of Christ. So the shrine is shaped like a basilica with two sarcophagi standing next to each other and a third sarcophagus resting on their roof ridges. So it actually looks like a, like, it's all one massive thing. So it's like an archway kind of, of sarcophagi? Well, if you imagine a coffin next to a coffin with a coffin on top of them in the middle, that's what it looks like. Except oh. it's all encrusted in gold and these beautiful scenes. It's about 43 inches wide, 60 inches high, 87 inches long, and it's decorated with enamel. Uh, the basic structure is wood, but it's just covered in this beautiful gold and silver overlay. And there are depictions of prophets, apostles, evangelists. Um, on one end, there's the adoration of the Magi to the baby. There's Mary enthroned with the infant Jesus. There's the baptism of Christ. And above all that is Christ enthroned at the Last Judgment. So it's really a beautiful, I encourage you to look at it online. You can just look at the um, relic or the shrine of the three magi and it'll pop right up. And it's absolutely beautiful. It was finished in 1225. So it took about 40, 44 years, 45 years for them to actually make it. So around 1199, when they were in the middle of building this shrine, King Otto decided to give three golden crowns to the church, and he had made them for the three wise men. Because of all the importance surrounding the shrine, they decided to actually create a cathedral to go around the shrine. So the, the cathedral wasn't first, the shrine was first. So interesting. So the construction of the present-day Cologne Cathedral began in 1248 to house these important relics. It took... 632 years to complete that cathedral. Oh my gosh. I was just thinking, it's architects boring. who built cathedrals must have been so frustrated by kings during this period. <laughs> because kings were always wanting cathedrals built on certain spots. Like I know when I was in um, Russia too, one of the Russian emperors was assassinated along the side of a river. And the next one was like, well I want to build a cathedral in his honor on the spot that he died next to the river. Yes. Or like on top of a shrine. Right. Or like, yeah. and the architects would be like, oh, it, doesn't, it doesn't work there. Yeah. The, the logistics don't. Right. They're like, nope, I want it there. Yeah. Now, like I said, it took 632 years and it's now one of the largest Gothic churches in Northern Europe and it's actually, it's just absolutely beautiful. Now, when we were there, we were on the outside of the church, and we went to the gift shop. <laughs> we actually didn't go inside the church because there was a long line, and we didn't have. We wanted. We needed to go do something else, so we decided to go do something else. But we got some things from the gift shop related to the free magi, so that was kind of fun to see that. If I ever go back, I'll definitely go inside. But since then, I've looked at pictures and read about kind of the the church and the inside of the church. Was there a myrrh scented cologne there? Yeah, there may have been. I don't know. Oh, Get your see, frankincense. That, that, feels, that feels like a, a two for one there since you're in cologne and... Uh, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, we did get some, some <laughs> gold... Cologne. We did get some gold magnets from there. So, that, you know, oh, actually, we got one of the three, yeah. Now, so we have this shrine in this Gothic church. The question is, what's inside that shrine, mm-hmm. right? And have they ever opened it? Well, yes, they did. They opened it in 1864. It was opened 
And what did they find? They find the remains of three humans, an older person, a middle-aged person, and a young person. They also found the remains of the archbishop that brought them to Cologne, were in there. And they found a number like of, of small, um, they had some coins in there, some bracelets. There was like a bishop's crook in there. So it was kind of like a, a bunch of kind of miscellaneous little things in there as well. So there was nothing about what was in the shrine that could prove or disprove that the Magi were the ones that were in there. So kind of an interesting story about, it'd be, about that. It would be interesting to use modern technology to try to figure out like, Okay, was one from India, one from Persia, one from right, you know, Iraq. Yeah. Right. And the interesting thing, you know, we think of giving gifts on Christmas, and it actually originates from the three magi and That's the right. gifts to Christ, right? So, and we uh, often, well, almost every year, if not every year, read that story mm-hmm. before we open our gifts to kind of remember where the tradition came from and what the reason for the season is, mm-hmm. uh, as I said. And that tradition actually stems back. To the 300s that they were celebrating the idea of giving gifts to others like the magi gave gifts to christ well that's very interesting thanks randy um that brings me to the three kings day which is considered by some as the end of the christmas celebrations representing the day the three wise men gave gifts to jesus as you had just said it's on january 6th every year because it's 12 days after christmas day Excellent. Now, the Three Kings Day, as you also said, is a Christian and Catholic holiday. And you didn't mention this, but from my research, it seems to be mostly celebrated in Latin America and Spain. Not exclusively, but a lot. And New Orleans. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Interestingly. So, some of the activities of a Three Kings Day are centered around the king's cake, which is also called a rosca de reyes. A rosca de reyes. The king cake tradition is alive in New Orleans as well as across South America, and recipes to make one are found easily online. Imagine a deliciously sweet cake with cinnamon and sugary sauce with a variety of fillings depending on how decadent you're feeling or the tradition from where you've come. Another activity is to read the Bible to find out, as you had just talked about, why the Three Kings Day or the Three Magi Day, I guess you could say, is celebrated, which is in the Bible. The word epiphany also means manifestation and celebrates the revelation of God in human form as Jesus Christ. (laughs) The other thing is uh, jumping in freezing cold water. Yeah. That is a tradition. It's very interesting. I'm going to go through some different countries and tell you how they celebrate Three Kings Day. In Spain, they celebrate with parades throughout the country, some of which have been going on since the 19th century. The parades represent the journey made by the Magi, or the Three Kings. Riders on the floats throw candy to parade goers. Children bring umbrellas and turn them upside down to catch the loot from the parade. Oh, that's smart. It is smart, isn't it? It's a good idea. I was thinking, hmm. Oh, that reminds me of one of the myths about three magi is that they rode camels. And back then, people didn't ride camels, they rode horses. Camels would have been pack animals. So that was kind of also interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A little myth. That is interesting. In Bulgaria, they celebrate the Epiphany by swimming in the icy waters of the nearest sea, river, or lake. A priest throws a wooden cross into a body of water 
and young men compete to be the first to retrieve the cross. Mm-hmm. Since the temperature is typically near freezing during this time of year, the act is considered honorable, and the man who retrieves it first will have good health bestowed upon his home for the year. <laughs> Assuming he does not catch pneumonia. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> In Greece... They celebrate the Epiphany similarly to Bulgaria, where the festivities kick off with a blessing of the waters. From there, their celebrations are similar to Bulgaria's, where men jump in the icy waters to retrieve the Blessed Cross. So it's interesting. It's not just jumping into the water, right? It's like making a sacrifice, doing something really hard in order to get the cross and bring it back. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting. In Mexico, in addition to receiving gifts on Christmas, Mexican children also get presents on January 6th from the Three Kings. Cities and towns celebrate with large parades that have tons of food and gift vendors. Mexicans typically eat the country's version of King Kate, Rosca de Reyes, on the Epiphany. So Mexico, I think, has got it down, right? And more countries that have celebrated the Feast of the Three Kings are doing this, where they celebrate both Christmas Day and... And Three Kings. Right. So I am all in favor of that. On both. (laughs) With gifts. The problem is the freezing cold water part. Right. But (laughs) But you don't have to be the honorable young man. (laughs) That's right. You can be dishonorable. (laughs) That's that's right. That's all about uh, choosing. Right. Right. It's a choice thing. In New Orleans, January 6th marks the King's Day in the Catholic-influenced city. This also marks the beginning of Carnival with parades like Joan of Arc. It also marks the beginning of king cakes popping up around the city. City, so you had visited New Orleans. That sounds so weird to me. <laughs> say it sounds like New Orleans. Um, and did you have an experience with a king's cake, or you at least had done some research about the king's cakes? I think I have done some research for the podcast at one point. Um, but no, I did not experience the king's cake. I think the only time I experienced it was actually at work. I think they celebrated King's Day. <laughs> With a king's cake. So we brought it in, which was really cool. And I do know that in New Orleans, you hide like a little baby, like the baby Jesus, and somewhere in the cake, right? So whoever has that piece with the baby in it is charged with either having the party or providing the cake next year. Right. I knew there was some kind of symbolism there um, that required some kind of... Action. Action, Right, some kind of action for the next time. It wasn't just, sweet, got baby Jesus. There was something else involved. Right, so Mexico puts the baby in the cake. France puts a little crown in the cake. Ah. And you become the godparent for Jesus for that year. But you also have to kind of do the cake the next year. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. In Portugal, one Portuguese village has a tradition unlike any others to celebrate the Epiphany. And I hesitate to even say this. They smoke cigarettes. That goes for everyone in the village, even those as young as five years old. The tradition is centuries old, but no one's sure what it symbolizes or why parents buy their underage children's cigarettes to smoke on this holy day. (laughs) (laughs) So that celebration stops. So uh, if you're Portuguese, give us some insight on that, if you know about that village. In Puerto Rico, it's a huge event with parades and festivals across the country. San Juan, the country's capital... Throws an annual festival with live music, food, and drink, and free gifts for children. The highlight of the festival occurs when the Three Kings march into the town's center. Okay, so from some other regions, um, I'm going to take us back to Portugal for a minute. They also sing Epiphany's carols known as Haneras, I think that's the way you'd pronounce it, which are January songs. And on the island of Madeira, they're known as Cantar Os Reis. Singing the Kings. 
So they have some really positive, good things in Portugal that they do for this celebration also. In Italy, some of the children get their presents on Epiphany, but they believe that an old lady called Befana brings them. Children put stockings up by the fireplace for Befana to fill. Now, when we were at Disney um, at Epcot... Two years ago. Two years ago, we saw a little... um, Reenactment or uh, like a little skit of it. Right. And she was excellent. Yeah. She was she did by an far excellent job. Um, one of the best ones talking about celebration of Epiphany and how it happens there. Yeah. And she was, she was Bafana. She came yeah. in and she told us all about it. It was really neat. In Austria at Epiphany, some people write a special sign in chalk over their front door. It's a reminder of the wise men that they visited the baby Jesus. It's made from the year split in two with the initials of the names that are sometimes given to the three wise men, which are Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar in the middle. So 2020 would be 20 CMB for Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. 20. 20 CMB 20. The sign is meant to protect the house for the coming year. In Belgium, children dress up as the three wise men and go from door to door to sing songs, and people give them money or sweets, kind of like trick-or-treating on Halloween. Children in Poland also go out singing on Epiphany. In Ireland, Epiphany is sometimes called Women's Christmas. You don't want to try that uh, Irish term of I don't know uh, how to even begin to say what it actually is, but the translation is Women's Christmas. I also wouldn't try, because I could try to pronounce that, um, but I guarantee that letters are pronounced as other letters. Right? Somewhere. <laughs> the, traditionally, the women get the day off and the men do the housework and cooking. It's becoming more popular and many Irish women now get together on the Sunday nearest Epiphany and have tea and cakes. Love that. Mm-hmm. Such fun. a nice idea. And finally, for the last one, I'm going to bring us back to New Orleans, Louisiana, again in the USA. Where King's Day, the Christmas tree is either taken down or the ornaments are replaced with purple, gold, and green ones. And it's called a Mardi Gras tree. People also like to eat king cake, a cinnamon pastry with sugar on the top, and sometimes filled with cream cheese or jelly and jam. And as Sydney said, they had a little plastic doll inside which represents Jesus. And whoever gets that piece with the baby has to supply the next king cake. Some people have king cake party every Friday before Lent. The time before Easter also. So there you go. There are some different traditions from around the world. We've really enjoyed learning more about these. And if you have some that you would like to share, let us know. And a fun way to kind of keep the Christmas spirit going. That's right. Into the next year. Yeah, it's interesting because in Russia, they also celebrate Three Kings Day. Oh, okay. But they don't celebrate it with gifts just because of the way that their New Year's to Christmas celebration, and in Russia it is New Year's to Christmas, uh, and I'll explain that in a minute here. But in Russia, it is celebrated with a holy supper, and there's a white cloth that's laid down on the table to represent the cloth that Jesus was swaddled in. And they have cultural foods that they eat during this time. It's generally not acceptable to eat meat during this time, which is interesting. Instead, they eat kutya, which is a porridge made with wheat grain, poppy seeds, and walnuts, and they share Lenten bread, honoring the coming Christ child. And Three Kings Day in Russia is Christmas Eve. Oh. Because in Russia, Christmas 
is on the Julian calendar, which means that it is on January 7th. Interesting. And it is an exclusively religious holiday. There's no kind of secular element to Christmas. Like, there's not the, the gift-giving, and you'd think it was the Christmas frivolities at that time. Those happen earlier on New Year's for the Russians. So New Year's is still celebrated on the same day. New Year's is still celebrated on the same day. But then that kicks off an entire, like, seven to ten day stretch where the Russians basically have off from work. Wow. Now, January 1st to 3rd is a state-mandated time off for people. So the state dictates everyone gets off during that time. Nice. And then you have the 6th, which is Three Kings Day, and then you have the 7th, which is the Orthodox Christmas Day. But it all starts with New Year's Eve. So there is celebrations on New Year's Eve. Now, the big celebration of New Year's actually has a very old history in Russia. So it began in 1699, and Russian New Year used to fall on September 1st, which was the end of the Russian tax year. <laughs> um, but in 1700, Tsar Peter I, Peter the Great, in an effort to westernize the country, moved the holiday to January 1st, According to the Julian calendar, the Russians started using the Gregorian calendar in 1918. Between 1919 and 1937, the Bolshevik party in Russia banned public celebrations of New Year, as well as celebrations of Christmas. Christmas because it was a religious holiday, and New Year's because it was considered a bourgeois holiday. Hmm. But in 1947, the tradition of New Year's kind of started coming back, and it was declared a no-work day by the Russian state. Starting in 1976, it became a yearly tradition for Russia's leader to give a televised address. So a lot of the traditions of Russian New Year are similar to what we would think of as traditions of Christmas. They have fir trees that they decorate. They have lights. And lights are particularly a big deal in Russia because during this period, it's darkness all over the country because they get these polar nights. So they'll string lights from building to building across the street to just have it illuminating entire streets in Russia. Houses are very elaborately decorated. A lot of the um, state will kind of take over putting the lights up. Nice. Individual people, because most people in Russia live in apartments rather than houses, will focus on decorating the interior of their house, usually with more lights and trees and snowflakes that either they'll purchase and put on their windows or maybe something that is like a craft with your kids that they'll then decorate the house with. And a lot of it is winter, what we think of as winter decorations, because there isn't a Santa Claus in Russia. That's so interesting. Now, stars on top of the tree, which is interesting, during the era of the Soviet Union would usually be red <laughs> because uh, it was your way of, you know, yes, showing the state. Right, of, uh, of showing appreciation for, well, for one thing, appreciation for the days off that you were given during this time. Right. But also just a way to show that, you know, 
you, you're Russian. It's a Russian thing to do during the time. So a lot of older people will still staunchly put red stars on top of their trees. <laughs> but there are alternate stars that are kind of making their way into, uh, into tradition now. Uh, which I thought was fun. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, there's a lot of meals the Russians love to eat together. Meals take a very long time in Russia. If you didn't know, cheers, there's no word for cheers in Russia. So in a lot of Western media, you'll see Russians saying Nastrovia to each other uh, as like cheers or to health or something like that. Russians don't actually do that. Instead, each Russian likes to go around the table and give an individual toast. Wow. And everyone drinks to the toast. So <laughs> what they do like to drink. <laughs> the Russians will, it'll usually be small shots that they'll give a toast to. But Russian meals, and uh, when I was studying Russian, my Russian professor mentioned this too, that everyone will be a little tipsy by the time the toasts are done. Yeah, I bet. And it usually doesn't stop unless everyone around the table goes around and does their own toast. <laughs> so eating and being together is a huge deal to the Russians. Usually they'll go over to a friend's house for New Year's or they'll go out and watch the, the fireworks. If you're in Moscow, you'll try to get into Red Square because that's where all the fireworks are. And on the Kremlin, there's a huge clock. That's kind of the equivalent of the ball dropping in the U.S., watching the clock on the Kremlin bring in the new year. Now, children do get presents on New Year's rather than Christmas in Russia. So funny. So it's kind of like a Christmas. It is very, very similar to Christmas, aside from the fact that everything is kind of wintry rather than Santa's and, right. you know, nativities and everything like that, which the nativity comes later on the exclusively religious holiday. But instead of Santa Claus, they have Father Frost, who's often dressed in blue and is a very Santa-esque figure. He's not as fat as Santa. Father Frost, you know, he has to be that Russian image of, you know, yeah. manliness. He's not. He's just an old guy who happens to not be fat. Uh, <laughs> but he has a long white beard, uh, and he brings, you know, the, the winter spirit to Russia, a little happiness into that Russian winter. And he's actually assisted by his granddaughter, who is Snegorochka. The Russian word for snow is sneg. It's actually pronounced snik like a K, but it is a G. It's one of those weird translation things. But Snegorochka is called the snow maiden. So Father Frost and Snegorochka uh, come in to bring the new year, and the children get their gifts during that time rather than Christmas. So it's a lot of celebrations, a lot of drinking, of course. Right. But fireworks, it's kind of like a mix of... I've, I've seen it described as a mix of Christmas, New Year's, and the 4th of July for yeah. Russians. All with the snow theme. All with the snow and winter theme. That's really neat. And, you know, there's ice skating and kind of all those things you would think of, we would think of as being Christmassy, but right. they do on New Year's instead. And it's interesting because Christmas has, in the West, Christmas has its secular elements and its religious elements, and they're mixed in, and sometimes it's hard to, you know... We think to ourselves, as, like, you know, if I'm a religious person, I think, oh, you know, maybe I don't want this mixed in with this or, you know, everything like that. But because for the Russians, the two are distinctly separated, this can be sort of as commercial as they want it to be comfortably. Mm -hmm. Right. Because all the stores are all decked out and the lights, lights are a very big deal. Their lights 
winter decorations. There might be someone dressed up as Snegorushka and Father Frost there. Not Father Winter, Father Frost. There's a distinction there for the Russians. But that is followed by usually a 7 to 10 day off time for the Russians where they get to continue to celebrate New Year's uh, with those five days. And then they have the Three Kings Day and Christmas Day, which is still on the Eastern Orthodox Julian calendar. Very interesting. Very interesting. I remember I used to go to Russia in the nineties when I worked for NASA, and in the markets we went kind of fallish time frame. And in the markets they would have like Matryoshka dolls or you know whatever the correct pronunciation of it. Matryoshka. Yeah, but we call them Matryoshka dolls, yeah. which are the nested dolls, and they would be uh, or plates or lacquer boxes, and they would have the winter Father Frost. And the snow maiden mm-hmm. on there, and I thought at first that they were just Santa Claus and like some little girl, because yeah. right? yeah. they look like yeah. it, and they you know they have all the wintry kind of colors to them, really interesting. So it was after I first saw those in Moscow in the um, what's the district though that they sell all that stuff. Oh, um, oh, you're thinking of the Ismailovsky yeah, that's market, right? Yeah. So in that big market, they had just you know beautiful, beautiful decor that matches right into Christmas decor. I mean, you, yeah. it looks like it could be Christmas decor, but when you look at it more specifically, and it wasn't until I came back and kind of did some looking into it more that I found all that kind of other traditions and other history yeah. uh, associated with it. Also, just in general, great market. I had so, oh, I had so, so much, much fun there. It's one fun. that you go in and it's just people like vendors selling stuff, so... You can just barter for anything, and and they're fun. It's and fun, it's, to and do. it's fun. It's expected that you're going to barter, so you right. don't ask for you know, like oh, well, I'll give you this thing for this much. I was like, oh, well, if you throw in that thing, maybe I'll right. put it. Yeah, yeah. it's a great time there. But yes, a lot of super fun. Also, the Russians cook all of their food in advance for the uh, New Year's celebration. So that would be like us cooking all of our food in advance for. Christmas dinner. Yeah, excellent idea. The only thing that they don't is a special Russian salad that they have all the ingredients for, but they all put them together on New Year's Day as sort of a coming together symbolism. That's really neat. Yeah, That's very a lot of really cool traditions. Of course, celebrating New Year's in anywhere in the world is going to be fun because it's going to be a whole lot of cultural differences, but uh, I definitely want to go back to Russia and celebrate New Year's there and experience yeah. all of the Father Frost and Snigorochka and see if I can spot any uh, red starred furs. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Sure, it's around yeah, the country. There's probably yep. a few out there still. So, our future festivities are for the week of January 4th. January 4th is National Trivia Day. January 5th, National Bird Day. We love watching our birds this time of year at the bird feeders. At the bird feeders. January 6th, as we talked about, is Three Kings Day, or mm-hmm. Epiphany, or New Year's, New Year's Eve for Russians? What, January 6th? January 6th, no, still Three Kings Day, but also Christmas Eve. Also Christmas Eve. There we go. January 7th, National Bobblehead Day. January 8th, Bubble Bath Day. January 9th, National Static Electricity Day. What? If you have pets, this is something I'm sure you're already experiencing if you live in the Every Northeast. Day. That's yeah. right. And January 10th, Peculiar People Day. As always, you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram, we're at Holiday Moons. 
On Facebook, you can find us by searching the Facebook search bar of Holiday Moons. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. And you can email us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Sydney, Randy, Beth, and Cole, Happy Three Kings Day! Gone away is the bluebird, here to stay is the new bird. He sings a love song as we go along. Walking in a winter wonderland In the meadow we can build a snowman And pretend that he is Parson Brown He'll say, are you married? We'll say, no man But you can do the job when you're in town Later on we'll conspire As we dream by the fire To face unafraid Plans that we've made Walking in a winter wonderland Sleigh bells ring Are you listening? In the lane Snow is glistening A beautiful sight We're happy tonight Walking in a winter wonderland Gone away is the bluebird Here to stay is a new bird He sings a love song as we go along Walking in a winter wonderland In the meadow we can build a snowman And pretend that he's a circus clown We'll have lots of fun with Mr. Snowman Yes, until the other kiddies knock him down Later on we'll conspire As we dream by the fire Face unafraid the plans that we've made Walking in a winter wonderland Walking in a winter wonderland